following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Auburn basketball got started last night. We'll talk some college basketball. Uh, we'll also continue to talk about Saturday's game for Auburn football and where they go from here with Texas A&M coming up on Saturday. We'll also at the start of hour number two, we're going to talk to college football playoff and sort of look at where everything stands right now uh, with the playoff rankings coming out tonight. The second rankings will come out uh, six or seven o'clock. I forget what time that officially comes out, but that will be coming out tonight. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then at three 30, we're going to talk to Trey Wallace. He covers the sec for outkick. He'll be joining us at three 30 to talk all things SEC. So a busy show today, and we'd love for you to call in and be a part of it as well. 334-321-1390. Carter, happy Tuesday, man. Auburn basketball, they start the year with a 1-0 record. Absolutely, man. I mean, maybe wasn't the prettiest game by any stretch of the um, imagination. And Auburn may not have shot super well, but... Auburn handled business. At no point did it feel like they were in jeopardy of losing that game. Yeah, they started out really well, right? I mean, they started out, it was a 25-9 to lead before mm-hmm. you could even blink your eyes almost. And, and then there was a 13-2 to run right before half right. that was really kind of gave you a little uneasy feeling mm-hmm. going into half. But second half, they thought they came out, shot a little better handled their business shot a lot better from the line in the second half for sure yeah I mean this team man it's gonna be a growing process and we talked about that sort of coming into the season was that this team is going to be good and there's a lot of good players on this team but it's gonna be different right I mean this is going to be a different type of Auburn basketball team it's going to be a different Bruce Pearl basketball team. Uh, we we're talking about, of course, Auburn jumps out to a 25-9 to lead. Things are looking good. Defense was playing really, really well. They played well all night long uh, defensively on that side of the floor. You talk about the 13-2 run that George Mason went on. It was 31-24 to at the half. And then Auburn is able to come out and outscore them uh, 39-28 to in the second half. Auburn wins 70-52. to so overall, I mean, an 18-point win in a game where you were favored by 10 and a half opening night of the college basketball season, I'll take it, right? I think we'll all take a game one victory by 18 points, again, in a game where you were favored by 10. It's also a night where we saw five uh major programs or big name programs if you will lose on opening night you saw florida state lose you saw temple lose you saw south florida lose you saw 
Oh, there were two more of them. I'm trying to remember who they were. There's five big names. USC lost it in Oklahoma. All of those teams lost last night in games that they were supposed to win on opening night. So it's not easy winning in college basketball in Auburn. How about good old, uh, what what was Florida Gulf Coast called in that tournament run? Were they Dunk City? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Were they, yeah. were they, yeah. were, were, were they Dunk City? Because I forget their official them, nickname. How about them going on the road and, and beating USC? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, in opening night, you think, yeah, your team is supposed to win. Yeah, Auburn's supposed to beat George Mason. But you look around the country and some programs that were playing in games in those supposed to win games, they lost on opening night. So you take an 18-point win on opening night. Auburn shoots. Uh, they get 70 points. They hold George Mason to 50. I think that's more impressive than anything is this George Mason team to start the ball game. I think they started like 0 for 9 from the three line and it was like, wow, this team cannot buy they a were, three point basket. By the way, I'm, I know that this is random, but they were Dunk City. They were? Okay. I just want to okay. mention. That was a fun team to watch check. in the tournament. They were awesome. They made it to the Sweet Was that, the was sweet that 2015? Is that when that was? 13. 13, okay. Okay. Yeah, That. wow, that's a long time ago. But yeah, all they did was basically run and that's throw, when they beat throw, throw lobs on. Isn't that when they beat Michigan State in round one? Isn't that what they in the round of sixty four? I think that's who it was, Florida Golf Coast. That was a fun team to watch, though, no doubt about it. It was either Michigan State or Duke, somebody like that. I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, but looking again as Carter Googles who they beat in that first round, looking at sort of the stats from last night uh, for Auburn and George Mason. Again, George Mason started really poor from the three point line. I mean, they were like 0 for nine to start. They ended up shooting seven of twenty. So this is a team that can shoot the three ball and they caught fire late in the first half a little bit in the second half uh, but Auburn's still able to hold them to 52 points they shot 37 percent from the field did George Mason and Auburn defensively uh, really just they played well and I think that is what you look at. I mean, they forced 19 turnovers from this George Mason team. So that is what won Auburn this basketball game. It was not Auburn's offense. I can promise you that. Auburn shot 24 of 71. So they shot 33% from the field. Which is bad. (laughs) Which is really bad. They shot 4 of 25 from the three-point line. That's good for a whopping 16%. That is really bad. They also shot 18 of 29 from the free throw line, which is better than I thought it would be with 62%. Let's. It, it turned out to be a lot better in the second half because in the first half, they were three of nine at the line. It, I don't understand it, man. I just, were, it just doesn't make any sense to me. All of those stats were. The shooting percentage was maybe a tiny bit, uh, or it was 5% better from the field in the second half. They were 31.7% in the first half, 11.8% from three in the first half, and then 33% from the free throw line in the first half. It's just, I don't understand. And this is an Auburn team that put up 71 shots last night. 71. That's a lot of shots. And you only hit 24 of them. Like, that's not winning. That's not a winning recipe. I think, if you you want my honest opinion, I think Chance Westry is a missing piece on this offense. I think somebody that can get into the paint and slash and get buckets, but then it can also pass out from there, can handle the ball. You don't really get that from Wendell Green. You don't really get that from, I mean, I guess the closest to that would be Alan Flanagan. 
Maybe, but I think I think last night when you watched the game, there were a lot of a lot of times where they did miss layups and putbacks and things like that, where you expect guys to be able to put those in, right? And there, and we're going to get into this more, but there's just different situations where there were a lot of shots that Auburn's got to hit, and they just didn't hit them last night. Now, thankfully, their defense played well, and they were out, they outmatched and outmanned George Mason. But one thing that sticks out to me, you out rebound them forty eight to thirty seven, so you were plus yeah. eleven in the rebound. I will say that I I think Auburn, when you watch that game, I really loved Auburn's shot selection. I did not like George Mason's. Correct. I thought they played a little above their head considering what their shots looked like, especially there at the end. Number zero, who hadn't made a shot all game long, hit two like logo threes. One of them. He buried them. One of them looked like a, just a prayer and he nothing but net that one shocked me but when you look at the the shot quality that maps out uh based on how how good each team's shots were what the score should have been should have been 84 and a half to 56.8 so auburn was wasn't i think in the 82nd percentile in shot quality George Mason was in the eighth. Which tells me if Auburn does start making shots, then they're going to be in a good spot. Now, which makes me feel better because last year's team, there were so many times where this team took really bad shots. I mean, they took horrible shots. It was, it, whether it was Katie Johnson, whether it was Alan Flanagan, there were times where it was Jabari Smith. There were times he did not take good shots. This team last year got hurt by that because in basketball, just because, just because you're open or think you're open doesn't mean that's the best shot. And that's what makes basketball so interesting. And that stat about last night, Auburn actually taking good shots, they just didn't make them. That makes me feel a little bit better because if this team can get better at shooting the basketball, because again, coming into this season, that's what sort of the the word is, is that this team struggles to shoot the basketball. And that's why I think you're also going to see a different style of Auburn team with guys like Jani Broom and guys like Yoan Treor, who didn't have the best night. Broom had a pretty good night. And I think those guys are going to fill their roles well as the season goes on. You have Dylan Cardwell, who comes off the bench, who looked really good last night coming off the bench. So I think you're going to see those guys get a lot more involved and a lot more points in the paint rather than shooting from the three. As bad as Auburn shot from three, it can always be worse. You want to know why? Did you see what Alabama did from three last night? I did not. Three of 28 for 10.7%. That is horrible. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is, and that is a team that is built like... That is living and dying Nate right Oates, there. Nate Oates emphasizes shooting threes. What, three of 28? Holy smokes. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's no, I did not. Amazing. I hadn't looked into the stats of the Alabama game. I saw that they won uh, by like 20, 21 points, 21, something like I that. Believe. It was I saw the 55 54 was the final score. There you go. I saw the videos from uh, from Coleman and didn't look good over there. Didn't look too full over there in the uh, airport hangar. If Nobody you had more than one three made. Oh gosh, Jeez, that's that's brutal, man. That's brutal. A lot of SEC teams played last night. Uh, I don't think a uh, Vanderbilt lost. Vanderbilt lost last night. I forget who they played, but they did lose. Uh, well, they, South they, Carolina they plays played tonight. Memphis. I think. They played Memphis, which they were not the favorite. Right, team. correct. But uh, all the other SEC teams, they were able to to kind of get it done well, and, and handle business. Mizzou had a scare. They did have a scare. They they won ninety seven ninety one against Southern Indiana, which I had never 
heard of until right now. I've heard of Southern Indiana. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. That's a lie. No, okay. All right. Well, look, Missouri wins, right? I mean, at least they win. And um, look, with Auburn, though, I mean, it's a long season, right? It's a long season, and the offense is hopefully going to get better. I mean, I, I think that if they did, if they're taking good shots then you're okay, right? And eventually, you just hope that they can start making some of those shots. And again, last night, there were a lot of putbacks and layups that were missed. Um, guys like KD Johnson, I think his role is to come off the bench. I think he, he played his role well. My problem with KD Johnson is every single time he touches the basketball and he's looking to shoot or make a play, he doesn't look to make the shot. He plays for the foul, and I don't like that. Because he can't make the free throws when he does it. Well, when he stands on the three-point line, he's looking for the person to jump into. When he takes it to the rack, he's looking for a body to catch instead of trying to finish it strong at the rim. Whereas if he just did that, I think he would make it and get more points and be more efficient if he did that. I would prefer sometimes Katie Johnson to make it a little easier on himself and look to make the pass. I forget who it was with him. Maybe it was Jalen Williams. But they had a two-on-one yep. in, I believe, the first half. I think it was Treor that was running with him. It may have been. Oh, I it, think was. it was. It was Treor. Uh, but it was, he had an easy opportunity to just lob it up, easy dunk, or even a bounce pass, easy dunk. So many different options. Instead, he tries to go up, find some contact, make the shot, but it's a charge the other way. And that's, I feel like, you can eliminate the risk of the charge if you just lob it up to the big guy and let him go get it. We saw that with Wendell, too, when he did lob it up and he ran through a dude and got called for the charge, too. But no, that exact play that you're talking about, I mean, when you picture a two-on-one, that is that was it. There was nobody else in the play. And, and I don't think the thought really crossed his mind about potentially lobbing it at all it didn't look but that's like not good <laughs> i mean like I, I i want i want to see him right because that's easy two points that's a gimme two points if you and don't feel comfortable lobbing it like you said turn jump stop bounce pass bam it's a layup rather rather than putting it in the hands of the of, of the official to make a judgment on is this a foul is this a charge rather than have to do that you can get two free points like that if you just lob it up there and let Trey or go get it. And again, that is that's KD looking and I like playing through the contact and looking for the contact and trying to get the foul on top of something, but it seems like a lot of times he's not looking to make the shot, he's just playing for the foul. And and you know what? If he steps to the free throw line and he makes all his free throws, that's fine. But he doesn't. And it's not just him. This Auburn team, this is a struggle they had last year making free throws is a struggle and free throws are important in late games in conference play and in march and if you cannot make free throws consistently from your guards to your big guys you are going to lose basketball games i get if a big guy is not the best at free throws that's fine but nothing makes me more aggravated in college basketball in basketball in general when a guard cannot make free throws at a 80 percent number i mean you are a guard that is what you do You've got to be able to make your free throws. And Auburn, as a team, is struggling. Broom and Treor need to make free throws at a higher clip as well because those guys are going to go to the line a fair amount. And if teams know that they struggle at the line, they will put them 
on the line on purpose. Yeah, they're going to hack them. I mean, they're just it, when you see Broom or Treyor go up for it, they're just going to hug them like a bear and make them make shots at the free throw line. And through one game, I know it's just one game, but they haven't proven they can do that. They've got to get better. And my worry is, and I don't mean to be a you know a Debbie Downer after just the very first game of the season, but when a team struggles to shoot the basketball, and this is not something that's new information, I don't know how you just magically get better at shooting the basketball when you're playing college, right? When you're here, you are, I mean, you're going to get better, but how does the entire team get better at shooting? I hope they do, and I think they can, but that's got to improve. There's if no you, doubt. If you count the the exhibition, Broom is 4 of 11 at the line, which is not good enough in right. the SEC. And like you said, he's going to be at the line a lot because I think I was talking about at the beginning how this is going to be a different Auburn basketball team. You're going to see him get a lot of work and a lot of looks down low yeah, like if, he did if, last night. Auburn's going to dump it down low more than they have in years past. Those guys have to be able to convert at the line. And I look for Auburn to play inside out and what I mean by that is when Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, Katie Johnson bring the ball down the floor I look for them to make one or two passes and then dump it down into Dylan Cardwell, Janai Broom or Yoan Treor and then you run the offense from the inside because what that does is when take Janai Broom when he catches that ball on the high post or even on the low block he's going to dribble in and those guys are too good more than likely the defense is going to bring a double. So then what that means is you can turn and kick it out because when somebody's double team, what's that mean? Somebody else is open. Mm-hmm. And if they don't bring that double team, my confidence in Janai Broom and Yoan Treor to be somebody one-on-one is pretty high. That's what I mean. You work from the inside, take what they give you, and work inside out. I think that's what Auburn's got to do this year. And then you're going to be able to see guys like Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, maybe Jalen Williams take some threes and knock them down. That's where Auburn's got to go for offense. I think they can do it, but they got to be able to shoot the ball a little bit better. But they're 1-0, and that's a good thing. Auburn wins 70-50. to on opening night against George Mason. They play Friday against South Florida in Neville Arena. We're off and running here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we'll have question of the day. All that coming up when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on this Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Question of the day. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Today, John Cohen, Auburn's new athletic director, had his introductory press conference. He stepped up there and talked for quite a bit of time about uh, what he wanted to do with Auburn, what his plans what, were. 28 minutes? Yeah, 28 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was a good lengthy press conference you and I both watched it and uh, hopefully uh, you our listeners did as well and that is the question of the day were you impressed or what impressed you or what are your thoughts about John Cohen's opening press conference today as Auburn's athletic director we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 Carter we'll start with you man what uh, what do you think of John Cohen's press conference today well I I was impressed I think that he had done a fair he gave a lot of credit to the coaches on Auburn's uh on Auburn's campus already he 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 had good thoughts on what makes Auburn great 
and why the Auburn job was enticing to him. That impressed me. Uh, he obviously spent time uh, brushing back on his history of Auburn. Um, and I thought he, he, for all intents and purposes, presented himself well as a leader of this athletic department. And I... I mean, I, I was impressed. I was. I I mean, I don't really know what my expectations were going in, but I thought he handled himself very well. Yeah, I don't think I really had any expectations, right? I think we all just kind of wanted to see what how he appeared and listen to what he had to say. And I think one good thing about this is that this is not the first time that Auburn fans have seen John Cohen in uh, as the athletic director. He's been out to a couple of events. He was at the exhibition basketball game last Wednesday. Uh, so that is something good to see that he has been out and about at some Auburn athletic events before his introductory press conference. And I think that's important that he did those things. And so what stood out to me was in his opening statements, he thanked a lot of people, right? But then he got right into it. And that's what he said. He said, and I quote, so right into this, what is my purpose? What are my goals? What's my mission? First of all, it's to serve the Auburn family and Dr. Chris Roberts. And that's what he opened up with. And I think he means that. And it's good. And I hope he truly believes that because that's exactly what you have to do is when you come and work for Auburn and you take that type of position, it's about the Auburn family and you have to embrace it because if you don't, as we've seen in many positions at many different times in Auburn, you will not succeed if you don't embrace it. So we'll talk about that some more. Let's get some thoughts from our listeners. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, Beautiful day. Did y'all get a chance to look at that blood moon last night? The eclipse. Has it happened a couple of times? I did not. I honestly did not know that it was happening. Oh man, it was so cool last. Yeah, it's a blood. It, it's the last one for three years. Really? I do Google. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, I went to the the basketball game last night, and so I wasn't really. I didn't. I didn't notice it. I had no idea. I'm sorry that I missed it though, because I've I've seen them in the past at that blood moon. It does look really cool, but I did not see the one last night. Yeah, it, it, it's it, you know, of course, what it is is just an eclipse of the moon when the Earth passes between their path. But well, what I was calling you, you were asking about uh, thoughts on Cohen. Yes, and my thoughts, uh, and I, I watched the entire you know thing. By the way, you guys aren't old enough to remember this show, Night Court, are you? Don't, I think I've seen a little bit of it, but I don't really years, know it. years ago. David Larkett, he is he is a twin for John Cohen, but a little bit older. But if you, the hair he grows, but it's 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 real funny. But I, I like him. I like him. You know, I don't think there's anything not to like. And I, I think what he was hired to do is he's strong enough, and he will. You know, he will be the what you call the the cushion between uh, boosters and what wants to be done and what the new head coach wants to be done. I, 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 you know, Butch Thompson, I know I know you know that they work together a lot. Mm-hmm. And all I've heard is rave reviews on anything, uh, any place, you know. Yeah. And he seems like a real good guy. Uh, you know, you got to have, <laughs> we have to have faith and you know, and um, him and uh, President Roberts, too. and I think they will get. I, it seems now like everybody's saying it's, <laughs> but I don't know that. 
you know, I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people have been eliminated, and I think I think there's still a chance that. Um, you know, Freeze could be be it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I think Sanders might have that might have been a passing fad. But but you were asking about but just about the uh, about what you thought about what what we thought about. I, I, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I was too. I, I was too. And Ed, uh, we got about a minute before we get to the break. It's good to hear from you, man. We, yeah, we appreciate the call, Ed. Uh, I, I think most Auburn fans would think and be impressed with with John Cohen so far. Obviously, he hasn't really done anything yet. I mean, and that's not a knock against him. He just got here, but I'm just saying he impressed me in the in the press conference. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that the first real moment where he's going to be under the the microscope from Auburn fans is going to be this football hire and how that goes which is going right now and he said and I appreciated this this is a really good quote he said that yes this is his hire he there was a discussion that this was his hire but 35 year old him would have maybe beat his chest and been like hey I'm making this call 56 year old him He's going to listen to all the information he can find before making a decision. But yes, it is his hire. But ultimately, it is his hire is what he said. So I think his experience as an SEC athletic director is really going to help him when he's looking for Auburn's next football coach. We'll talk about that and more Auburn football when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. <laughs> Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. There's never a dull moment in this studio, I swear. It's, oh always, my goodness. it's always our, our funniest moments are in the breaks. It, during the breaks, every single time. Well, let's get back to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. Terry, happy Tuesday, man. You're on the line. Well, but that's funny, you guys. Let us all in on it. Well, I I, know, I plead I the fifth, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No, I, I didn't get to take in Cohen's press conference, so I'm curious uh, how, how impressive it was, but I'll be a lot more impressed if he goes out hires the right football coach because that's the money maker. Yeah. We all know that. That's right. Yeah, and, 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 and that was what I was saying before the break was I, I was impressed with the press conference, but again, it's just the opening press conference. I mean, I remember Brian Harson in his opening press conference said all the right things. Right, the, I, I'd ask you not to say that name again. <laughs> <laughs> but but we are going to to really be able to make our first judgment on John Cohen's time at Auburn right. with this football hire. And think about I mean think about the position and the pressure that he's under. Right? I mean you take well, a big time job he as did Auburn. Say that he doesn't feel pressure. He sees opportunity. Well, he could say that he feels a little bit because know because you know you get hired but as it's a, a it's a good quote. It's a great quote. You get hired as Auburn's athletic director coming in into a disaster right now in some areas and your very first task that on your to-do list number one hire a new football coach and the entire fan base is going to judge you and your tenure at Auburn based off of this hire so there's a lot riding on it yeah and and I know Cohen is a Mississippi State guy but what is Dr. Roberts I mean he's uh, a Mississippi State graduate or something I mean, he's the he was the engineering dean. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember exactly what his his uh, resume is. 
Because I heard, you know, that naturally you guys know where I stand on the football coach. I was a Hugh Freeze. I mean, Hugh Freeze guy. And I heard that getting past Cohen and, and, and Dr. Ars might be the, the biggest obstacle. So, so I just wondered if, if he was a Mississippi State guy as well, because Mississippi State and Ole Miss don't like each other. Chris Correct. Roberts. Chris Roberts has a degree from Missouri and then a pair of degrees from Notre Dame. Oh, holy smokes. All right. Yeah, well, he has. Pretty impressive there. Yeah, there you go. He has an engineering degree from from Missouri, and then two uh, engineering degrees from from Notre Dame, and that's it. Now I find it I find it comical when people talk about Coach Freeze in the matter of forgiveness. Auburn's got to forgive him, like Auburn had done that in the past. Bruce Pearl, we forgave him, right? Correct. Yeah. Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, they were forgiven, right? Also yeah. true. That's, that's a, what, what, what's the big deal? I mean, Auburn has a history of forgiving people. It's the way it's supposed to work. And it may not even be as much as Auburn as everybody else, right? In the How about the SEC, right? I think the SEC is a big one that would have to, if you want to use the forgive word, I think the SEC would have to be fair. one of those. I mean, you've that's a, that's a very good point right there. And then, Terry, I, I, I do think that it's – the context of those other second chances, this, the the environments around it made a little more sense. This one, there's so much, like, this is Chris Roberts's first and John Cohen's first and biggest hire they're going to make at Auburn. The baggage, they have to be 100% sure that there is no scenario where this goes haywire for reasons off the field. And, and it would be a really, really bad start for them if somehow it started off poorly in that direction. But, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, I think Hugh Freeze would win a lot of football games at Auburn, and I just it, it all comes down to, to me, is he going to get cleared and checked off on the list for John Cohen and Chris Roberts? Well, if I'm, if I'm Auburn, I tell Greg Sankey and the rest of the SEC to have a Coke and a smile. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, That's and, simple and as that because right. guys, I mean, uh, okay, we're, a, we're more than a decade past Cam Newton, and I'm still waiting on the bag man to show up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, look, I hate it for Hugh Freeze, I really do, because obviously he broke the rules, he got in some trouble, he did some things he shouldn't have done. Right? We've all been there, we've all gotten in trouble and done things we weren't supposed to do, but mm-hmm. most of us have been forgiven and moved on and, and moving on and doing different things in our lives now. There's different levels to it, obviously, but Hugh Freeze is one of those guys that is a good football coach. We've said it multiple times here on the program that he is a good coach, and like Carter said, I think he could win a lot of games here. Now, will his past give him the opportunity to do that? I don't know. My personal opinion is no. I don't think he'll get that chance here, but not saying he wouldn't be a good coach, but um, he just his past is, is something that holds it back, unfortunately, for him. Well, last thing, last thing Jacob, let me ask you, is he still married to the same woman? I believe so, yeah. And that's it, right there. And he's got the uh, lake house at, yeah. at at Lake Martin, and he had he had one daughter that I know graduated from Auburn already. Another that I think might still be at Auburn. Is at Auburn right now? There I you think go. maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure yeah, on the second she, one. She may have graduated as well. I don't know. Take care, guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, it, Terry. We appreciate the call. 334-321-1390. Talking about John Cohen's opening press conference today. Uh, talking all things Auburn, his goal, his mission for Auburn, and what he's looking to do with Auburn. Uh, I think it, again, it sounded good, but sort of like you said, take it not saying take it with a grain of salt, but kind of take it with a grain of salt because anybody can have a good press conference. And 
I don't think this is going to be a situation where John Cohen has a good press conference and then falls flat on his face and is not a good athletic director here. Uh, I think he will be good here. Uh, but ultimately, his entire tenure, it doesn't matter if he's here for, for one year or for 10 years or for 20 years, it's all going to come down to this Auburn football coaching hire because, like Carter said, this is the biggest hire that him and President Roberts are going to make because of where all of Auburn athletics are compared to where Auburn football is this head coach has got to be the one that brings Auburn back to relevancy let's get back to the phone lines 334-321-1390 tie the tide you're on the line welcome in hey guys uh I mean it you know you could put it up there with the biggest Auburn hire ever but just simple fact that you've never had the NIL and so many schools are leaving other schools in the dust, um, so to speak, um, or gaining ground on the blue bloods that's been there that are losing some of their, you know, dominancy in that recruiting era. Uh, I think this is a little bit more important than the last three hires that we've made, um, yep. in my opinion. No, um, I, I, I 100% but, agree. I do want to talk about Auburn basketball. I had a good time last night, man. The guys look fresh. Um, you know, I, I'm be honest with you though. I, I don't see like I, I. I mean, again, I know it's one game, and that's no big deal. But you know, I, I, I don't. I still don't think we can make a three. <laughs> I think we're better defensively. Agreed. Than we were last year. I mean, you know, I mean now George Mason ain't a a powerhouse, but they're no scrub. Correct. I mean, they're, I think, they're, they're I think they team. they are going to have a really, really, really strong team in their conference this year. I think the defense is going to be amazing. I am, I am still. Um, I want to see the other kid that is. He still, I think, is two or three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Chance, Chance Wesley. Mm-hmm. I still want to see him. See what he puts. I think he's more of. If I'm not mistaken, he's more of like a a coro. Okiki player, and you know, again, Flanagan. I like Flanagan, but I just don't think he's that. I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's that superstar. Um, I mean, this is going to be a good team. We played good last night. It's going to be a good defensive team. We need that. We need that score. We need that Jabari Smith. We need that uh, Sharif Cooper. We we need a guy who's going to put the put the ball in the bucket. Um, Man, I mean, KD, I don't think he ever ran out of gas. And, I mean, if he would just stop shooting the threes and go to the rim – Every single <laughs> right, time right, he has right. The well, ball. <laughs> well, the thing is, KD doesn't run out of gas. I mean, that's the good thing about him, and that's what's so well, good about bringing him off the bench too. Is now he doesn't have the chance to run out of gas. I would counter that with I think you saw Wendell and KD run out of gas last year at Georgia when Zepp was out, and all of a sudden they fair, were having to play like fair. thirty-five minutes yeah, in that game. That's fair. They looked exhausted in the last ten minutes. Right, but Ty, to your point, you know, you you say that Auburn needs that Jabari Smith or somebody like that. They do, but I don't think Auburn has that guy on this team, and that's not a, that's okay. Uh, there, it can be like that. I think this is going to be. And I was actually talking to my dad about this early. last it's night. It's too early to say that. Well, I think it's you could see yet. somebody emerge, maybe, but you're not going to have that go-to dude. I just don't think it's going to be there. I think this is going to be a more balanced basketball team, yeah. and that's why it could be Janai Broom one night, it could be Treyor one night, it could be Wendell one night, and you just don't know. But I think that helps Auburn in the 
long run because think about in early March when you have the game on the line and if the other team knows, well, they're throwing it to to number five, go guard him. Or it's like, okay, they could throw it to three, four, five, six different guys. We don't know who it's going to. I think that may help Auburn in the long run. But, man, you're exactly right. The defense is fantastic, but they've got to make some shots. I mean, Broom, I mean, I, I'm not taking anything away from Kessler, but he looked good as Kessler last night. I mean, just in what you see in his potential, like he could be as good or he looked as good yesterday. Cardwell looked amazing yesterday. I agree. He's gotten and a lot I, better. I mean, he, and it, you know, and he's my boy. I love him on the Jumbo <laughs> trial with, with the shirt off at the football games. I was with my little boy. I was like, you remember the guy that takes his shirt off at the football games? He goes, yeah. I'm like, that's him right there, 44. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he embraces Auburn for sure. That's it, man. So, I, I mean, I'm excited for this team. Don't get me wrong. I just, it's, to me, it's the same team without Jabari Smith last year. That's why I'm kind of trying to see what chance uh, – you know, and I thought Trey was going to be a little bit more, you know, active, and I wanted to see him shoot just to see what he was about last night. But the one well, thing I, I mean, love he, about he, Bruce, he shot some, but he just didn't make anything. Right. I mean, well, the thing about Bruce is he's going to put the team together that's going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to hang up and listen, but I saw a comment on him where he said winning by 15 actually matters in a system this year. And I didn't know if that was the. They've got a new, you know, that RPI or whatever they think, call it at the end of the year. I, I don't know, but I was kind of curious about that. I did, I, I kind of looked it up, couldn't find anything. I figured you guys might know, but that's what Bruce said last night. That that's why he would have um, brought the, uh, the, the, you know, the the, the walk ons in earlier, um, but didn't. And I'm gonna tell you well, one last thing, dude. That Israel section was rocking. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they were. They did not sit down, guys. Yeah, they, right, man. Hey, we, pre- we appreciate the call. That's Ty the Tiger joining us here on On the Line. He's exactly right. The the uh, the, the entire section of the of the of the Jewish kids and everything that was awesome to see. They they embraced the moment and enjoyed the entire two hour basketball game. Look, I'll say it. They were louder than the rest of the student section. They were more excited than the rest of the student section. They were more hyped than the other student section. I told you before the show, I thought we had to discuss the fact that um, felt like a C-plus performance by the student section for for, for the opener to me. It was not as loud as it was last year. I thought it was slightly disappointing, and I thought that they, they need to be louder going forward when when these games are only going to get bigger and bigger as we go along correct but yeah talking a little bit more basketball we're kind of just talking a little everything here in this segment three three four three two one thirteen ninety we appreciate everybody calling in uh but uh, again auburn basketball they're going to be good i think the defense again is going to carry this basketball team i really really do uh i think i mean they gave up 52 points last night like that's that's pretty impressive to whoever you're playing and like we've talked about this George Mason team, they're going to be a good team, man. I mean, they just are. They're going to be a really good team, and this will go down as a good win for Auburn. They win by 18, again, in a game where they were favored by 10 and a half. So not only did they win, they covered. That's what great teams do, and I think they're going to be really good defensively. But at the end of the day, you still have to score more points than the other team to win the game. They haven't changed that rule yet in basketball. It's sort of being talked about a little bit, but they haven't changed that yet. So Auburn's got to figure out a way to to score efficiently. 
defensively. They took good shots. We talked about that earlier. They took good shots according to some stats. They just got to make them. And I hope that they don't start taking bad shots because they're not making them because that's what we saw last year with Auburn was taking really bad shots in bad situations and getting themselves in holes and then digging themselves in deeper holes. I hope this team continues to take good shots because eventually if you do the right things and you take the right shots, they will start to fall. And so I think this team is going to be really, really good if they Mm -hmm. can start making some shots. Yeah, and and I think that that will come. I think this team will get better together. And I look at, I do think Chance Westry adds something that you don't have on this team. I think he's a guy who can play the one through the three. Uh, and I think that he can be a little bit more of a playmaker with the basketball than you've seen with some of the other guys. And it wouldn't shock me to see him really round into form in during SEC play this year. Yeah, looking forward to Trey, uh, Trey Donaldson doing his thing. I think he's going to be a really good player. And then really looking forward to to Chance Westry getting back from injury and seeing what he can add to this basketball team. So, again, I think they're going to be really good and uh, looking forward to the season. we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. We'll wrap up this first hour. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Any of your thoughts on Auburn basketball, athletic director John Cohen, football, whatever you want to talk about, we're here. We want to hear it from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn up like a sports leader as we wrap up this first hour. Uh, it's been a good one so far. We'd like to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Uh, looking around... What do we got? Again, looking around college basketball a little bit last night and I guess just around the sports world, man. There's a lot going on. It's that transition period, right, where some of the summer slash fall sports starting to wrap up. Of course, the World Series is over. Uh, The Astros have won the World Series, so congratulations to them, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's all right. We No. no. They're they're having their their parade last night. Did you see, speaking of that, did you see Senator Ted Cruz, and this is nothing political, but Senator Ted Ted Cruz from Texas he was with them during their parade and he was on one of their buses like going through downtown Houston and somebody from the crowd chucked a can of beer right I mean like a bullet right at his face and one of his security guards like saw it last second and stuck his hand out in front of him and blocked it they ended up arresting the guy that did it but oh yeah well, yeah, but I'm saying they caught the guy is what I'm saying like I mean they caught the guy but yeah so during the Houston Astros championship parade senator ted cruz was with them on one of the buses standing up waving doing whatever and somebody hummed a beer at him and his security guard like last second stuck his hand out and knocked it down it was crazy looking man yeah i had to find that video it was pretty good i bet you i can find it pretty quick yeah you can it was it was pretty crazy i will admit but uh yeah astros win the world series so baseball is over college basketball was officially underway we were looking at the schedule before the show and uh there's no top 25 matchups until what next thursday so uh you gotta wait about 10 days or so into the college basketball season before any of those big name matchups get underway uh you've got obviously college football's got a few more weeks left and if still rolls on NBA NHL uh, continue to do their thing so uh, it's an exciting time there's a lot of sports going on right now and 
we were disappointed in the college basketball schedule where there's not a ranked matchup until next week. Yeah, until a week from today. Oh, is it a week from today? I thought it was next Thursday. My bad. It's a week from today. You get, I believe it's Duke. Is it Duke and Kansas? Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky, Michigan State, which Michigan State's not ranked, but that's a big-name matchup, so it counts. I mean, it's just not... That's a letdown for me because I want something. I want that kickoff moment of the season, and you didn't get it last night. And yeah. it was just like, uh... Right. I mean, there's a bunch of games, but nobody's going to lose. Well, a few did, but that happens every day. But like nothing that really got you super excited about basketball season around the country. Right. I mean, I mean we I mean, could we could go to the Auburn game last night and not yeah, worry about missing was, any of the action. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. Don't get me wrong. Very, very fun to go to to the Auburn game. Excited Auburn basketball is here. It's always exciting. But when you look at college basketball nationally. There was nothing that just screamed, the season is here. I, I, I didn't get that feeling. Even even like leaving the Auburn game, like there was no thought like, oh, like, oh yeah, this game was going on. Like, how did that game turn out? I mean, I guess I kept an eye on the Alabama game, but that's about it. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you look around the SEC, sort of how that went last night. Obviously, Auburn beats George Mason 70 to 52. Uh, Kentucky beats Howard 95-63. Arkansas 76 to 58 over North Dakota State. Tennessee wins by 32 to Tennessee Tech. Alabama 75-54 over Longwood. Mississippi State by 21 over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, Memphis beats Vanderbilt. So that was uh, that was an exciting game, I guess. I didn't watch it, but. It was a nine-point win for Memphis and Vanderbilt. A&M gets a big win. Missouri, scary win over Southern Indiana. Georgia, they end up pulling away late. They were a close game with Western Carolina. They end up pulling away late and win it by 13. Uh, Florida, big win over Stony Brook. And then Ole Miss beats Alcorn State uh, by about 15 points or so. So, again, nothing super exciting matchup-wise going on right now in the SEC. South Carolina plays tonight. Uh, They play South Carolina State. But, yeah, the next big games for the SEC, like matchup wise are not till next week so i mean i don't know i'm with you man i wish we had some of those big name games to kick it off but guess we'll have to wait another week or so for college basketball to really get interesting hour number one officially in the books we'll talk more college football and talk to trey wallace it's all coming up in hour number two the following is an auburn network production On the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this November 8th, 2022. It'll be dark in about 30 minutes or an hour, so enjoy that because of the time change. It's miserable. I left the office yesterday, and it was pitch black outside. So that is where we're at right now with fall. The leaves are changing. It's a beautiful time, but it gets dark so stinking early. Yeah, in the middle of the uh, – I told you before the show, in the middle of the, the drive – 
Bill and I could barely see each other in the studio because we, we didn't have the lights on, at oh, the, I guess, gosh. at the end of the five o'clock hour. I think everybody could get on the train of banning the time change, banning I, I, it all. I think this is the last time that we fall back. Ever? I think in the spring, because Congress passed this a couple years ago, I believe. And I think this spring we spring forward and then it stops. Really? I think so. Have I been living under a rock? Did I miss that? Yes, you have been. Wow, I did not know that. Interesting. Okay, if that's the case, that just made my day. Because, look, I like falling back and getting the hour of extra of sleep and all that mess, but I hate it getting dark at 4.30. I really do. And then in the spring, when you got to spring forward, it throws everything off, too. I hate it. I wish we could just stay the same. I think everybody is in agreement with that. Is that true? Did you find it? The United States Senate on March 6, 15th of, of this year, Starting in 2023, the twice annual changing of the clocks will stop, I believe. That's awesome. That Daylight is a, savings will be permanent in 2023. That is a major victory for Americans. That is awesome. I love that so much. That actually just made my day. I had no idea. I really had no idea about that. So I'm glad because I hate when it gets dark early. I just really do. Because then all you want to do is go home and, and sit on sit on the couch and go to bed, right? I mean, that's all you want to do. So I'm glad that's over or going to be over in 2023. Looking forward to that. But hope you're all doing well besides the time change and besides that it gets dark early. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelike area and we have so much to talk about in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour though be sure you go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or you can go to espnau.com click on the podcast center and you can find it all right there we will have it commercial free right after the show today so be sure you go and find that lots of auburn basketball talk and uh john cohen conversation as well uh talking about him and his opening press conference as auburn's athletic director so some really good phone calls some really good uh discussions in the first hour if you missed any of it, go and find the podcast after the show. But here in hour number two, we're going to talk about where the college football playoff stands with the new rankings coming out tonight with the craziness that was college football this past weekend. And then Can we talk about that some. Yeah, there are some crazy, crazy games that yeah. I don't think we've we've had a chance to really right. talk well, about. Right. Well, we're going to get into it. Don't you worry. And you know who else we're going to get into it with? Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick. He'll join us at 3.30 on the phone lines like he does every Tuesday. He'll have some thoughts about Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee, Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida, Texas A&M. We're going to get his thoughts on all of those games and where the college football playoff stands in his mind coming up at 3.30. So an exciting second hour. The first hour flew by. I expect it to do the same in hour number two phone lines are open we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us 334-321-1390 well let's talk about some of those games over the weekend carter because they all had significant impact on where the college football playoff stands right now it has major impacts on what the rankings will look like tonight uh you look at some of the bigger games from around the country over the weekend Obviously, the ones inside the SEC were the ones that everybody had their eye on. Georgia, they defeat Tennessee 27-13, to and that score is a lot closer than what that football game was. Georgia dominated from start to finish. Their defense was relentless, and they reminded everybody, this is who Georgia is. Yeah, I mean, Georgia looked like the better team. Georgia, I think you can now say Georgia is the best team in the country. I'm still not entirely sold, I think. 
There was a little bit of a uh, mirage in the Big Ten this past weekend, thanks to 40-mile-an-hour wind and sideways rain. Your boys covered. By a lot. By a lot. By yeah, a they mi- did. They had the lead for the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that was an ugly football game. Ohio State, we're talking Ohio State Northwestern. Of course, the Buckeyes, they beat- may have lost the Heisman Trophy to Bo Nix in that game. <sighs> I don't Bo know, Bo Nix is going to win the Heisman. I need everybody just like, I'm not saying that, that it's my favorite thing I've ever heard, but everybody in front of him had an off or bad day. Some Auburn fan just wrecked their car because you said that. Bo Nix is to going know. to win the Heisman. Just he's, put it in your brain. Yeah, we've been saying he's at least going to get the invitation to New York. I mean, he's he will be in Str- New York. Stroud had like 130 yards of offense. It was 10 of 26 passes. Yeah, but it's just the one game, right? Hinden Hooker. Well, at least they, lost, at least they won. Game since week one, and that's yeah. what's important. The fact think, that he's been consistent. It's Drake May and Bo Nix right now have the two best statistical seasons in terms of what they're doing on a weekly basis. But I think I you still have to consider the Georgia game because it is a game. If you're going to consider C.J. Stroud's Northwestern game, you got well, to consider Bo Nix's Georgia game. By the way, Stetson Bennett's also going to go to New York. Yeah, he should. He should go to New York <laughs> because his stats are unbelievable. And Georgia's the number one team in the country. Just very, like If they just continue to win and he continues to put up three, four touchdowns a game, he doesn't have to do anything outrageous. He's going to go to New York as well. And how exciting is this? I mean, we're coming into week 11, and there are five legitimate names that could win the Heisman Trophy right now, and I think that's really exciting. And I don't know if we've had it like this in a while where there wasn't just one, there wasn't the Joe Burrow, right, that just took off and was better than everybody else, right? I think this is exciting to watch where we have five or six guys, four or five, however many, that could legitimately win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I think Bryce Young is done. I don't think he has a chance with the with the game I he agree. missed due to injury and then his rough game this past week, which I guess, I guess wasn't the roughest game ever, but he was below 50%. And Bama having two losses, too. Yes. I think he's out. C.J. Stroud did enough to make an opening. Hendon Hooker did enough to make an opening for, for somebody else to climb in there. And Bo Nix, not only – this is the other reason why I think Bo Nix is going to end up winning this Heisman – Bo Nix has a storyline now that nobody else in the race has, and that is he has passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. As stupid as that is to create a storyline around, watch, it's going to happen. What about Max Duggan at at TCU? I think he's got to be in the conversation too. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very, very good, but I also, they're going to start to lose some games at some point, I think. But he he could get an invite, absolutely. There's... About seven or eight quarterbacks that I think have a chance, and then like Blake Corum at Michigan, mm-hmm. and that's really about it. It's it's a quarterback year. There's no doubt. It's a quarterback. It's quarterbacks this all year. over the country. Yeah, uh, but I I we need to start to to have a civil conversation about Bo Nix winning the Heisman. Man, that's a bold statement. It, it's not even that bold because it's a legitimate thing that Bo Nix could go and win the Heisman. Wearing an Oregon Ducks uniform, man. Auburn fans would would be just so distraught, I think, if, if he were to go and win the Heisman. How about some of the other things? You had nine teams in the college football playoff and AP Top 25 that went down this past weekend. Yeah. Nine of them. Georgia beats Tennessee. 
Notre Dame embarrasses Clemson. I mean, just sorry, Steve, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Clemson just they just Steve, didn't I've, look good. I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Clemson just didn't look good. I mean, there's no other way around it. They did not look good. They were held scoreless through three quarters. I mean, they put up 14 in the fourth, but at that point, it was too it was too late because Notre Dame put up 21 of their own in the fourth quarter. So they go down. Uh, you've got obviously LSU beating Alabama. By the way. Rutgers led against Michigan at halftime. Yep, they did. And then six offensive plays later for Rutgers, they had allowed 21 consecutive points because yeah. there was a pick six in there and a fumble. And it was an interception, a pick six, and a three and out. And like that, the game was over, and they got outscored 38 nothing. I was in the about to say, half. Michigan outscored them 38 to nothing in the second half. Michigan is one of those teams that, again, they're it, really good. They're really good, and it's like Ohio State they're was. Gonna be, they might be at Ohio State because they might be the only, built to beat right, that Ohio State right. team. And like I was saying with Ohio State, Michigan is not getting the love because they play teams like Rutgers, right? I mean, they're just not getting the noise from the outside world and the media. If you're asking me right now these three teams in the country georgia ohio state michigan i think that's that is your that is your tier by themselves right now in my mind i just don't know what my thoughts are on ohio state and michigan just yet because again this is a michigan team that struggled with a rutgers team it's an ohio state for, uh, team that for, for 30 minutes and then blew them out yeah, of the water they did they did in the last 30 they did well continuing looking at some of those teams that lost over the weekend obviously lsu beats alabama in what lived up to be one of the best games of the entire season it was an awesome awesome game in baton rouge uh you also had uh kansas state get beat by texas they got down a ton a ton they're down like 31 to 7 and came all the way back and almost won the game yep that is the most texas looking thing i've ever seen also keep an eye tcu did win texas tech gave them a heck of a heck of a battle but yet again the starting quarterback got knocked out for Texas Tech. That's happened like seven times this year. Maybe that's TCU's mojo. Maybe that's their thing. Well, Quinn Ewers this weekend, it's TCU Texas. Texas is, I mark it down right now, Texas is going to get TCU this weekend. TCU's been playing with fire for too long. College game day will be there this weekend for Texas and TCU. That's a big game. Uh, Michigan State beats number ranked uh, 16 Illinois over the weekend. Uh, you also had Oklahoma State. I don't want to talk about it. They, I mean, they have fallen apart, man. They just absolutely fell apart. They, you want to know why? Well, they were bad in the beginning, and well, then they fixed it, and now it's bad again. They can't win in the state of Kansas. They can't win at all right now. Well, no. Well, both of these losses are in Kansas. Well, they're 6-3 and three now. Well, yeah, but but right, both they of lost. these, yeah, the other one's TCU, which yeah, fair. fair, they're they're really really good, yeah, but they've been they lost forty eight nothing and thirty seven sixteen in Kansas this, <sighs> these past two weeks. I don't want to talk about it, man. Pittsburgh beats number twenty Syracuse, number twenty two NC Syracuse, State beats twenty one Wake fall, Forest. The fall from grace for Syracuse has been significant. Yeah, yeah, they they fell off a cliff right there. We talk about all these games, and yet the biggest storyline was not even talked about. The American. What on earth took place in freaking Dallas, Texas? I don't know. <laughs> Houston. I don't know. Houston. That was unbelievable. Lost a game in which they scored nine touchdowns. That that should be like illegal to lose that type of a, they fo- lost, a football. Not game. only did they lose the game, they lost by two scores. If you're the offense. 
I this I know this is not what you're supposed to do. If you know when your offense puts up a good amount of points and the defense gives up a lot, you're not supposed to go in the locker room and say, "Well, you're the reason we lost." I think the offense could probably say that in this game. I think you can go in and say, "Yeah, so um, we put up nine touchdowns and we still lost the football game." That's on you guys. You couldn't stop them once. Not once you couldn't stop that other team from scoring. The, the stats from this game were so absolutely insane. I'm pulling them up right now because they won't load on my computer right now. So let's start with SMU because they won the game. Uh, is his name Tanner? I believe it. Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, 28 of 37, 379 yards. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Jesus. The running back went 25. <laughs> oh, my God. 25 for 146 and a touchdown. And Mordecai had eight carries for 54 yards and a touchdown as well. But listen to this. Clayton Toon, 36 of 53, 527 yards passing, seven touchdowns, three picks, 12 rushes, 111 yards and a touchdown. He had 538 yards of offense by and himself. eight touchdowns. That's ridiculous. And three picks. That's unbelievable. Like this game, this game had 90 points on the board at half. Both teams, they were a field goal away from the FBS record in points in a game in the first half. They were three points away, I believe, from both teams hitting the over by themselves. Three, a Houston field goal away from that bonkers yeah i have a feeling that there's really some sorry sorry man that put money on the under in this football game and he will probably never bet another game in his life but i mean if that's what happens you just what do you even do i mean you just laugh about it if you put money on that on the under and they scored each one of them almost covered the spread by themselves uh, in the first half i mean the over was or the under was ruined with five and a half minutes left in the second quarter jeez yeah, that there's nothing you can do. 56 35 at half. 56 points in the first half by any team is ridiculous. There's I don't 91 care. 91 points on the board at halftime. That's some Lee Scott stuff right there. That's Lee Scott stuff right there, baby. That's fair. Hey, that's right. I mean, that's Lee what Scott I'm talking about. Lee Scott, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, college football this weekend, it was a lot of fun. And we knew there were some good games. We knew there were some big implications. And it lived up to everything. And the impact that it had with the college football playoff as a whole and the rankings tonight, I think you're going to see some major, major shakeups. Let's get to our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the college football playoff, what the rankings were last week. Maybe Maybe some expectations for what they will be tonight and talk about who's going to be possibly playing for the college football playoff down the road. We'd love to hear from you, though. 334-321-1390. College football playoff talk when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Obelika sports leader, talking about the college football playoff and the implications that the game this past weekend had on the rankings. Of course, we saw number one Tennessee get just beat by Georgia. Not just They didn't just lose. They got beat by Georgia. Yeah, and physically manhandled. Yeah. And, and there was a stat that I, that I believe Justin Ferguson tweeted out and uh, – I think I brought it up yesterday on the drive. Going into that game, Georgia was last in the SEC in sacks 
at 1.57 sacks per game, but they were first in the SEC in pressure rate. Well, Tennessee likes to sit back there, run their guys deep, chuck it deep. That takes some time to develop. Well, Georgia had six sacks in that game. So that is... That proves that, that Georgia was exactly what we thought they were pressure rate-wise. That's the stat that matters. They just needed somebody uh, to to allow them to get their, their frustration out and get, get a bunch of sacks in a row. Right. Well, let's talk about what the results of some of these games meant to the college football playoff because now Tennessee is an 8-1 and one football team. Now, their last three games are pretty winnable for this Tennessee team. You have Clemson, who had their first loss of the season. It was questionable why they were number four in the country. There was a lot of people, myself included, that really didn't know or think that they were a top-four team. I think we saw that on Saturday against Notre Dame. You could make the assumption that they are most likely out of the college football playoff because of their weak resume, and it's not on them. They play the teams in front of them. The ACC is just not there yet, and if Clemson doesn't win out every single game or win go undefeated, I should say, then it's sort of hard for them right now to make the playoff when teams like Florida State are not any good and the second-best team is Wake Forest. I mean, like... In the ACC, it's UNC. Or North Carolina, yeah, exactly. By the way, by the way... We need to have this conversation. The ACC's best chance at this point is UNC winning out. I don't think it even it's, happens. It's better than Clemson's because then they would go undefeated in their conference with their only loss being a non-conference game against Notre Dame. Yeah, because they're 8-1, and 5-0 and oh in the ACC right now. So, yeah, technically the ACC's they, best chance they, is North Carolina. If they, if they go undefeated in conference play and win the ACC championship – they will have a better chance of getting in the playoff than, than Clemson. Yeah, they we would. Need, we need to have that discussion now that the ACC needs to root for UNC from this point on. But even then, I don't think they're going to put them in there just because of what oh, the ACC I, I mean, is. I, I agree. You know what I mean? But I think that is a legitimate argument. But I just don't think the ACC is strong enough to hold and get a team in there right now. Obviously, LSU beats Alabama, and you've got Alabama who... They're out. I mean, there is a very, very, very slim chance, like Joey Blackwell told us yesterday, that they could sneak in there. They'd have to have a lot of people fall. TCU has to lose this weekend, and then the Big 12 has to continue to implode. The Big Ten's got to blow themselves up. UNC would have to lose to Wake this weekend and NC State, and then maybe win the, the ACC championship. I don't know the path. You need need either Ohio State or Michigan to lose one game before they play each other, and you need that team to lose again, right? I mean, you or both. Well, because you don't want Ohio – for Alabama to get in, you don't want to have Ohio State and Michigan – well, I guess you could have them both one loss, and whoever wins that game lose the Big Ten championship. I mean, you would have to have, again – For Alabama to make it, you'd have to have a lot of people lose a lot of games in certain situations. So I don't think Alabama fans and and Alabama football is really holding their breath on making the playoff right now because it is so much has to happen for them to get in. But a legitimate argument right now is LSU winning out and them possibly making the college football playoff. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot this these next three weeks about Oregon. I don't know exactly what USC's schedule is, but Oregon down, down the stretch here has number 24 Washington this weekend. Who's looked better. Then Utah, number 13 U- Utah. Your boys. Then they're 
at Oregon State. Who's playing good. And I think the best test for for what this Oregon team would look like in a rematch against an SEC-type built team like a, like a Georgia or a Tennessee, I guess, but maybe more like Michigan, to be honest with you, that Utah team is going to be, okay, how would they stack up against a team of the similar type of build? I'm not saying Utah is close to Georgia, but I'm saying they're built in the same structure. They're closer to an SEC team than anybody else on Oregon's schedule. That game to me, and last year we saw Oregon get crushed in those matchups, 76-17. to So I would be looking at that to see just how good this this Oregon team is, how much they've improved from... Because then I think if they go handle their business down the stretch, it gets a lot easier to chalk up week one to new coach, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, on the road, essential, well, neutral site game, but basically a road game in Atlanta. Week one, chalk it up as a week one thing. Right. There's a lot of things you can chalk up in that if Oregon takes care of business down the stretch. You brought up USC. Their remaining three games, home versus Colorado, which win. <laughs> on the road at UCLA, interesting. Tough one. Interesting. Very tough one. You say on the road. It's UCLA. I mean, you're playing UCLA. Across town. Across town, yeah. And then home for Notre Dame, which what Notre Dame team's going to show up, right? I mean, they just come off a win against Clemson. So you don't know how that's going to go out. Notre USC, Dame is ranked 20th right now? No, they're not ranked. And why maybe in why the is AP, it popping up? The, the, are you yes, looking at they AP? Are ranked, they're ranked in the, in the AP, AP poll? poll right now. Oh, well. They're ranked 20th. Wow. Shocker. Wow. Wow, okay. So I guess that, yeah. Okay. Interesting. They've pulled it together. Credit, they really have. Credit to Marcus Freeman. They really have. Well, look at Notre Dame, man. They are... That just... That... That shocked me. They're I didn't six and that. they're a quiet six and three right now. I mean, they're going bowling after a terrible start, right? I mean, in after fact, they're the highest ranked three or second highest ranked three loss team behind Texas, and they've got some decent wins: North Carolina, BYU, Syracuse, and Clemson. I mean, they've got some pretty decent wins. Does Notre Dame? FSU is ranked twenty fifth. Oh my gosh! See, and that oh is why at this God. point in the year we do not watch and listen to the AP poll. That is why, right there, if with Notre Dame and Florida State, that's it. The credibility we're is giving gone. FSU too much credit for beating a horrendous Miami team. Yeah, I mean a they didn't just beat them; they they beat Miami them down. Team. But Miami is in not a good spot right now. But again, talking about teams that maybe lost or gained their college football playoff chances over the weekend. Again, LSU beating Alabama. If LSU wins out and LSU goes to Atlanta, which all they got to do, which it's not easy. They got to beat Arkansas and Texas A&M, two programs and teams that I think LSU is better than right now, but you've still got to play them good and beat them. LSU will go to Atlanta. And if they can beat Georgia, they're in the college football playoff. And I don't yeah. think there's any way around it. Yeah. I mean... Only loss in conference play to being to Tennessee and then a, another chalk it up to week one loss to FSU, which I guess if FSU keeps winning, they get looks better and better. But yeah, no, that'd be that'd be fascinating. Right. Um, it's going to get really interesting here in the next few weeks. I think LSU, as it always few, does. Loss, LSU team with a chance to win a national championship for the first time since what, 07 when they leapfrogged everybody and went and beat the brakes off of Ohio State or something. Yeah, I mean. It's going to get interesting, but I think as it usually does, it's going to settle itself out. But how much fun would it be to have the 12-team playoff right now? 
Oh, it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, even even a six-team playoff mm-hmm. would be fascinating. Anything more than four. Some, like, you can create some... Yeah, you mean a 12-team playoff or something would be would be great. I think there'd be plenty of, plenty of awesome, awesome, awesome matchups. No doubt about it. Well, that's our thoughts. We're going to get Trey Wallace's thoughts when we come back. He covers the SEC for OutKick. He joins us every Tuesday. We'll get his thoughts on a wild weekend around the SEC in college football. It's coming up. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds it out the back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our usual Tuesday guest, it's Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for OutKick. He does fantastic work for them. Trey, happy Tuesday, man. What a weekend in college football, huh? That's, um, they, it didn't. It didn't disappoint. I mean, I, I guess that darn Tennessee Georgia game did. But thank goodness <laughs> for Alabama LSU that night. And then, you know, just when you thought Auburn was out of it, you know, I, I got his backstory to, to life as a journalist. You guys know, I get back to my hotel room late after the Georgia game, and I'd already seen that Mississippi State was a uh, pretty big on Auburn. So I was kind of like not paying attention to that one, watching the end of, you know, Bama. And then a buddy of mine texts me and says, hey, man, you might want to turn into Auburn, Mississippi State. I was like, why? He goes, turn on. And I was like, okay. And good Lord, there's Auburn coming down there with a chance to win it. And um, I got to watch the the final, pretty much the final fourth quarter of that one. And, uh, man, just a, just a crazy weekend of college football. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. And, when you when you talk about that that Auburn Mississippi State game early, it felt like oh no, this is going to be just more of the same. It felt like it was going to be one of those forty one to six kind of games and just a beat down. What did you see out of Auburn and their ability to fight back under this interim staff that really only had five days to prep for the game? I saw a team, and I've I've gone back now and watched the game, I've, I've broken it up down to, you know, offense, defense, no commercials. And I, I saw a football team that came out ready to fight. They got beat up at first. Uh, uh, everything was going against them. And then all of a sudden, you saw them make a comeback. Um, they didn't give up, man. They, they were fighting for, for Carnell, Cadillac, Williams. They were fighting for the players that are still around in this program that have gone through the mess over the last number of years, uh, fighting for an interim staff that was there after pretty much the Boise Boise regime uh, was let go, and and you know I I watched that um that post game video that came out that Auburn put out and, and social media teams do such a great job of, of capturing the moment, but when Carnell was was talking in that locker room. I mean, I felt that that was, um, that was somebody that, that bleeds orange and blue. Um, and, and he knew what that week was like, what that last two weeks was like. He understood everything that went into, you know, what these players had gone through. So 
to see that, to see Auburn come out and, and do what they did, I give them a lot of credit to the players and to the coaching staff that were still around because, like you said, that game could have easily been folded up, going back to Auburn, let's, let's knock out the next two to three games, get the season over with and get out of here. But you can tell that there's a fight within the squad. Well, Trey, there's the feeling right now with Auburn fans. and I mean, obviously, we've been talking about it the past two days. That was the most exciting game Auburn fans have gotten to watch all season the long. fight they've had all year long. Yeah. And, and what is, I mean, what? how much of that you were talking about Cadillac, how much is accredited to him and the staff to make this a competitive football game and to make on Auburn fans notice. on short notice and to make Auburn fans proud and enjoy to watch Auburn football? Here's the thing that a lot of people have to remember, and I know it's easier said than done, but you have to understand when a coach takes over a program, an interim coach, first off, he understands that he's probably not going to be there after the season unless the new coach wants to keep Carnell around, which I think would be a very smart move. Um, but second of all, you got to think of all the staff members that, that were let go um, because they weren't the right fit in Auburn. So you just had a core group of, of assistant coaches trying to put together a game plan. You've got meetings going on with every single position group. People are out of the building now. Um, there were more staff members gone than what was just put out. And I'm talking about support staff. I'm talking about people underneath Brian Harson. So you factor all of that in. And when what the players went through themselves because here's the thing too these players don't know what their future looks like yeah the star players do you know the 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 five stars and the four stars they'll get a chance to hang around but there's a decent amount of this roster that's going to be kind of what's the best word for it hesitant when it comes to sticking around auburn or are they going to be looking at the transfer portal window and seeing what's out there at the moment just because there's uncertainty? So I say all that to say this. For them to come back and then do what they did in the second half, fourth quarter against Mississippi State when they were dead and buried, that you don't see that very often at all. Um, and, and I think, again, that's a testament to the respect that, that they have for Coach Cadillac, Carnell Williams, uh, and I think, you know, talking with folks in the Auburn program, it was the right move that needed to be made. And I think that also, too, look at how the players respect the other coaches that surround Carnell Williams. I think it all plays into one. And, and it's a long answer for a short equation of what's going to happen over the next three weeks. But it shouldn't be lost on the Auburn folks what those players did after a crazy week. So with that with – that- kind of skeleton crew of a staff because that's really what it was that went to Starkville you had Will Friend and Ike Hilliard digging through in the press box a playbook that wasn't even theirs and they were able to figure it out on offense as the game went actually in the second half Auburn scored more points than they had in the rest of the second half of the season combined what how, how much of a testament to this staff and the work that they put in on short notice is it that Auburn was able to make those kind of halftime adjustments that we have not seen all year and be able to climb all the way back in this game and f- push it to overtime? A lot of it was just effort, too, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went back and watched the plays. They weren't running a lot of different plays. They 
were they were running a lot of the same type of scheme, type of plays where, you know, Will Friend and I kill you, you know, where they're not confused, where the players aren't confused, you know. Let Robbie Ashford go out there and kind of run the offense. Like, they know all the plays, you know what I mean? But it's all about getting it in, signaling it in, who you're going to the right person and whatnot. Like, that's a big to-do. So the fact that you saw what you saw, and they were able to do that uh, with a skeleton crew, by the way, coaching staff, I, I again, think that's such a testament to what the Auburn players did. And, and, and I'll go back. You saw it in the locker room, man. When you saw the players crying, you saw the players hugging each other, you saw the players lifting each other up, uh, Cadillac talking about how this is the Auburn way and you've got people that support you and, and fans and former players. Like, he's not lying, man. That, that's how it is down there in Auburn. And, and I just feel like um, you couldn't have asked for a better performance under the circumstances for the Auburn football team. Speaking with Trey Wallace, he covers the SEC for Outkick, and he joins us every Tuesday here on On the Line. Besides the Auburn-Mississippi State game, it was a fantastic weekend of football around the SEC. You had Georgia taking down number one Tennessee in dominant fashion. You had LSU defeating Alabama in overtime on a two-point conversion in what became possibly the game of the year. You had Florida dominating Texas A&M, and you had Liberty go on the road with Hugh Freeze and beat Arkansas in Fayetteville. Your reactions to just a wild SEC over the weekend. Isn't it crazy that two of the games of the year in the SEC have involved Alabama, Mm -hmm. and they've all come down to the final play of the game. Like, that's what stood out to me. Tennessee beat Alabama, last second field goal. LSU beats Alabama, two-point conversion try that they get Um, in overtime. It's just you know, and, and I know people can say, well, oh, it's the last play of the game anyways, but it's still the last play of the game. Now they won. And the fact that you got to that point, LSU, you know, they continued. You know, Alabama with the hay, haymaker. You know, when Bryce Young, here, here, when Bryce Young, y'all are going to remember the play right when I say it, when he scrambled from inside the pocket, got outside, and then hit a receiver down the field, mm-hmm. it was wide open when LSU had a broken coverage. I was like, okay, that's a wrap. Like, that's it. And then LSU, what do they do? They come back, put together a drive, go down there and score. Then Jay Daniels scores. It was just a back-and-forth affair, and that's the Alabama-LSU game that I know, that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what a win for the Tigers uh, down there in, in Baton Rouge. And when you look around the rest of the country, I was at Tennessee-Georgia. I, I thought that Tennessee just played a bad game. For the first time all year, Tennessee played a bad game. Now, look, a lot of that has to do with you know, what Georgia did defensively. But I also look at it and I see what Tennessee couldn't do when it comes to the passing game. When Hendon Hooker missed a couple receivers down the field, they could have opened it up. Um, maybe if they score a touchdown on that first drive after all, you know, after, that's it, Auburn, after Georgia, you know, fumbles the football, maybe it's, the game has changed a little bit. You know, I, I, I still think, first off, Georgia is the number one team in the country, without a doubt. They're dominant on both sides of the football. I still think Tennessee right there should probably be fourth, in my opinion. I think it's going to be four or five tonight in the college football rankings when they come out. I think Tennessee is going to be tough to beat the next three games. I think they cruise through it. And then you have to see what the rest of the playoffs do. You know, and getting outside Tennessee, Georgia, I mean, what about Hugh Freeze? Hugh Freeze going to Fayetteville, getting the win. They had to hold on in the second half. 
but they got the win in Fayetteville. What a massive win for, for Hugh Freeze. And I wrote about him today. Um, and, 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 and it was more or less, when is it time to give Hugh Freeze another shot at the Power Five? And I think that time is now. Now, whether that be Auburn, I don't know. I think if you're going to get Hugh Freeze back in the conference, I think Auburn would be a fantastic spot for him because I think he would win. I think he Agreed. would recruit. I think he would put together one hell of a staff that knows the Southeastern Conference. Um, and I think you're going to, you know, I think you'd win eight games next year, you know, with Hugh Freeze coming in. Because first of all, too, you know he's going to go get yourself a quarterback. Or if he doesn't have one on the roster, you know, or if he has one on the roster right now, He's going to make that quarterback better. Well, I mean, he can you he know, can I, he can win with a third string quarterback in Fayetteville, right? I mean, what do you do with Jonathan Bennett? I'm just saying, like, it, it just it that one kind of shocked me because we're looking at Arkansas and they're kind of just going downhill. Uh, to me, they, mm-hmm. it just feels like they're going downhill, and I can't figure out what in the world is going on with KJ Jefferson and Rock Sanders and that offense. But looking at it overall, you know, Texas A and M. Drops another one. I mean, I get it. You down a bunch of players with flu or whatever they want to call it. That's fine. But they drop another game. Doesn't look good in College Station. Um, you know, I hell, I don't even know if they're going to get bowl eligible. We'll see. But it, it, it's going to be tough for them. I, I just I feel like overall the SEC had a good weekend. I think they're set up pretty fine uh, for for tonight in the college football playoff rankings. Um, and, and I feel like, you know what, we've got a crazy three weeks ahead of us, and I don't think we've seen the last of upsets in this conference. Well, looking forward to this week, obviously the headlining game is that Alabama-Ole Miss game. Ole Miss coming off the off week. You know that this is one that Lane Kiffin wants really, really badly. How do you see this one playing out? Can Alabama get off the mat after suffering their second loss last week? See, that's the thing with me. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's, you know, Alabama is out of playoff contention the first week in November. What does this roster do? How do they come out and play? Now, you know Nick Saban's going to have them ready to go in some form or fashion. Um, but to me, you know, Ole Miss has an opportunity here. Um, I, I feel like Ole Miss has an opportunity to, you know, if they win this one, pretty good chance they win out. That Egg Bowl is going to be crazy. We all know that. Um, but, but, but overall – how does it help and play out for, for LSU? You know, like that's the thing as well when it comes down to this game. So I I just feel like that one is going to be fun to watch. I don't think it's going to be any kind of blowout. I think Lane Kiffin is going to be able to scheme up against this Alabama defense to me that has shown problems in the secondary. And when we really get down to it, you know, how – I haven't seen in the past you know, we, we've seen Alabama teams drop a couple games and whatnot, but we haven't seen them drop games the way that they've lost. You know, last second to Tennessee, last play, a two-point conversion to LSU. I'm really interested to see how Nick Saban gets this team off the mat, you know, and, and is able to play. And I'm not worried about Bryce Young. I'm not worried about Jameer Gibbs, players like that. I'm worried about, you know, the, the second-string guys, you know, the, the guys that – that are in there maybe every four or five plays. You know, that's what's going to stand out to me. So, you know, it should be a fun game. I look forward to it this weekend. Um, and and I, I expect some kind of chaos in that game. And I expect an upset or two in the conference on Saturday. Speaking with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. He joins us every Tuesday here on the show. One more thing, and then we'll let you go. Auburn hosts Texas A&M this weekend, Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium with – 
Cadillac Williams, his first home game with Auburn as the interim head coach. We've seen the response from Auburn fans already this weekend and this two week. Two-point favorites, too. Two-point favorites over A&M, right? We've seen the response from Auburn fans, how much they love Cadillac Williams. We expect a jam-packed house on Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium. What do you expect to see from Auburn and Texas A&M, a battle of three and six football teams? I expect Auburn to come out and grind them down. I expect them to run the football. I expect Robbie Ashford to have a great game, and I expect this team to come out and win probably by 10 points. Um, I, I think you're going to see a fired-up Auburn squad. Probably the most fired-up team in the country sending at 3-6 and six with a home game. I can't, I can't think of any other ones. Um, and, and, and I just feel like they're going to come out, they're going to play for the fans. The fans will show up. It'll they're going to play for the coaches. It'll be the, the best environment that a 3-6 and six team has all year. It might be the look. Besides the Ole Miss Bama game, it's probably going to be the craziest damn environment out of the SEC this week, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's crazy to say. I mean, maybe it gets a little interesting in Starkville with Mississippi State and Georgia, you know. But I just Auburn fans are, are, are dying for a win. You got a, you got players that, that would like to go out on the right note, you know, for this season. And I just feel like Jimbo Fisher and them are walking into a hornet's nest. So. I expect Auburn to win by 10 points on Saturday. Well, I hope you're right, man. One more thing, and then we'll let you get out of here, I promise. Who's your top four teams oh, yeah. in the college football playoff tonight? Man, we were just going over this before I came on. It's just, man, I, I, so it's Georgia 1, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ohio State 2, Michigan 3. I, I still think Tennessee is the fourth best team in the country. I think they're a top four team. But what does the committee do? Do they do they finally give the nod to TCU and say, okay, Tennessee, you sit at five, and we'll see if TCU loses a game. If they lose a game, we'll put you back at four. I, I, I'm going to go one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, Michigan, three, Tennessee, four, TCU, five. And then that sixth spot, I think, goes to Oregon. Um, I, I think it goes to Oregon with LSU coming in at seven. Wow, so okay. Could make some, you know, and they could flip flop LSU, USC, or whatnot, and that's seven things. But I think LSU did enough to come in at seven, you know, and, and then we see what happens. Because I say that to say this if Tennessee, I'm sorry, if TCU beats Texas this weekend, I think that would jump them into four. So there's no reason, you know, to, to take Tennessee out of it now. They lost on the road to the number one team in the country uh, by 14 points. There's no reason to drop them out right now because of their strength of schedule and what they've done previously. And that win over LSU looks even better every day. So I, I think you're going to see two teams in the top four, but TCU's licking their chops, waiting for the Longhorns this weekend. If they beat them, I think the committee's got to put them in the top four and you go from there. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. Man, we appreciate you and your time. Quickly, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your great work. I appreciate it, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Follow all my work at OutKick.com. Always appreciate coming on with you guys. Absolutely love it. Hope you all have a great rest of the week and a good game day on Saturday. We appreciate that, man. We'll talk to you next week. That is Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC again for OutKick. We really do enjoy having him on the show every single week. we got to get to our final break here. We'll come right back, wrap it up on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line as the sun is setting. It'll be dark in about 30 minutes, so I'll 
again, I'll continue to complain until 2023 where, Carter, you did enlighten me and tell me that Daylight Savings, the changing, is about to be done in the next year. I so believe so. I mean, it was passed by by, by the Senate. I hope you're right. March. And if you're wrong, you're fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have that power. I'm just kidding. I don't have that. I hope you're right, though. I really do. I hate it getting dark at 430. You definitely can't fire me right now because somebody has to run this board for the next show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, we need you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But as we wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, again, big thank you to Trey Wallace. Just got off the phone with him. Uh, he covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, we really do appreciate him coming on. He has Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, and TCU on the outside looking in tonight in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily disagree. I do think that TCU, I can see them five. I don't see them at four yet. I, th- I I actually agree with his entire rankings. I think that that's exactly how it's going to be. It's going to be clearly Georgia one. You might see Michigan two. That's the only shakeup that I, you might see, but I do think it'll be Ohio State. Then it'll be Michigan. I still think Tennessee is going to be four. I think it'd be a little drastic to drop them to five at this point. I like his point that TCU can kind of earn that four spot this weekend against Texas if they pull off that win. But at some point, we have to like really take into account the fact that they've they've pulled a 2010 Auburn and just beating beaten backup quarterbacks the whole way because they keep either the quarterback is injured coming in or they injure the the quarterback over the course of the game. I mean, it's insane the rate at which these quarterbacks are dropping like flies against TCU. Yeah, I like his rankings too. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty spot on. Um, I mean, if it was, think about if Tennessee was Alabama, right, and they had just lost to the number three team in the country, we would not expect them to drop out of the top four. I think you have to hold Tennessee to that same standard for what they've done this year versus and and with how they lost to a number three team on the road within the SEC. So, yeah, I think that is pretty much spot on. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, and TCU outside looking in. We'll see how it goes. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show, so be sure you join us for that. We are out of time today. Be sure you go and find the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.